0: Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song song podcast about the greatest band of all time. That's right, They Might Be Giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and today I have with me the singer of one of the other greatest bands of all time, The Mountain Goats. I have with me tonight, John Darnielle, to talk about the song Apartment 4 off of. Here come the one 2 threes. I live up in apartment four I'm on the very next floor The number's
1: right on the
0: So are we talking about One Everything or Apartment 4?
2: Uh, it is up to you. Well, um, I can do either. I, I revisited both of them today, so it's really up to you. Uh, okay. Uh, whatever you'd rather talk about.
0: Let's do Apartment 4, and I'll, I'll keep you down for the other one if you ever want to come back on in a few so months. So that's or interesting. Whatever.
2: So now I want to ask you, why, 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 in the moment, why do you favor Apartment 4?
0: Because <laughs> I was listening to them both today, and I just really love the... Just the vibe of that song—it's just almost like this. It's very melancholy for a kid song. If that's—I don't know—is that yeah. the right word? Something about that. Like it's like no, it, it's it, super interesting. Actually, I, I uh, so it, um,
2: uh, you know, it, it. You're right, and the melancholy does not really come from the lyric that much. Like there's a, there's a kind of a little bit of a loneliness to uh, to the lyric, but at the same time, it's not. Profoundly well, lonely, it's a bunch of people living together in an apartment, right? Right. Um but but there's that it's a very twentieth century sort of uh 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 moderate alienation mood, kind of a middle brow, not in a bad sense of the word, you know, but uh but you know, like, like a good short story where a bunch of people live in an apartment building and they're maybe not that connected to each other, but they hear each other. They live together, right? So there's that sort of melancholy of disconnectedness that's just a human thing, you know. Uh and there's a sweetness, but but then again, right? And I'm always, this is more where a lot of my focus is these days. Um, but all that gets its melancholy from the chord changes, right? It's not right. actually that the lyric is that melancholy. It's that, uh, where the sound of the drum comes from, has got a very sort of, it's a walk down, I think. Uh, it's, a, yes. it's a tonic to... Um, like, I don't have it quite stated, but so if you play a C triad and then you move the C and the E to the B and the D, right? Uh, mm-hmm. What are you getting then? You're getting a B, D, G, which is a G, right? So you're going to, from a C to an inverted five and then down to a, a, maybe an A minor or an A, C, G, possibly. Yeah, but it's, really but it's like this, this sort of walk down feel that gives you a very melancholy vibe, right? Yep. And it's really it's a reliable trick in the book, is, like just walk down the chord from the tonic to the five to whatever that is it comes next and it's got a it gives it a little sort of a uh, uh i want to say a, a it's not regal that's what we're looking for it it lends some gravity to the progression right know, in a way that it doesn't if you just go for the one and jump five steps up to the five uh it, it, those inversions really lend feeling i think not absolutely it depends on what you're doing with the lyric but if your lyric has that trace of melancholy in it the way you choose to voice the chords could really contribute to that.
0: It made, it, it reminds me of, uh, some Bowie piano ballads. Cause I did a, uh, yeah, yeah. Aladdin Sane
2: era stuff. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Cause I did a little, a tribute, uh, band temporarily after he passed. And I remember trying to figure those songs out. And having a real tough time with them at first, before it kind of dawned on me, he kept using that trick, that walk down. And Linnell uses that a lot too. So you you can tell when the songs are written by Linnell, they're hard for guitarists a lot of the time because it's a a right hand, left hand kind of thing for piano.
2: Yeah, you know, good guitarists actually... I, I'm not one, but... Uh, <laughs> me neither. <laughs> good guitarists can do those sorts of tricks. I've seen them do it. <laughs> but for me, it's a very piano-based uh, thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I think my listeners would want to know, uh, how how did you become a fan of They Might Be Giants? If we just want to quickly go through... Uh, h- how did you hear about them? I know you talked about getting the Don't let Start single. Uh, like, like, when abouts and, and what did you hear first? Uh, how did you come to the band?
2: Um. So... I mean, I was aware of the name. I was a record fiend. I was the kind of guy who haunts record stores and uh, you know spend a lot of time in them. Uh, and and uh, and I became aware of it. It's the sort of name that I think was was designed to jump out at you from the racks, right? So if somebody sees it, right. a certain type of pure person will be curious. There were a number of bands like that in the early mid '80s. There was a band called When People Were Shorter and Lived Near the Water. Um, there was a band called And Also the Trees you know yeah. uh and those are just the first two that come to my head there were a lot of post new wave bands right bands working uh and I, I i'm trying to think of what else the trees sounded like but but um but the, but i think these are also bands who were sort of questioning uh whether rock and roll needed to be aggressive whether the sort of space opened up by electric instruments sort of you know there were a lot of assumptions about about music that were that had a lot of currency in the '70s, and the '80s started to interrogate, right? And they might be giants were one of those, right? Who would say, "Well, you know, can we make some rock and roll music that's clever and that isn't about, you know, the, the, the sort of it's cerebral but not overly cerebral, you know, and it's uh, uh, a it, it, clever? I think some would say to a fault, you know, but I also suspect <laughs> that they'd be like, "Look, we're not always ramping up the clever." To eleven, it's just that we're you know smart guys who want to use our intelligence in the service of our music right so um but yeah so i, I would have seen their name a few times um and i probably saw um the they'll need a crane video on 120 minutes is probably what happened
0: yeah, yeah. Okay, so it was uh, was Lincoln? Are you old enough to remember 120 minutes? Is that a is that a, yeah. a, a reference point for you? Yeah, I'm 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 37. So I was like when when Lincoln. So that was on Lincoln. You know, I would have only been seven or eight years old. So I didn't get hit to them till Apollo 18. But I do remember uh, 120 minutes, the tail end of it, I guess. Yeah,
2: yeah. So uh, 120 minutes. It, it had a rebirth at one point, but in right. circa eighty. 86, 87, 88, uh, like it was a thing. Uh, my friend Allison and I would watch it every Sunday night, like religiously. And it was very much a Beavis and Butthead scene. We were watching it to make fun of it, right? And complain <laughs> that they were showing the blasphemous rumors video yet again, right, uh, right? Or, oh, enjoy the silence. It felt like they played Enjoy the Silence by Depeche Mode like three times a week. They didn't, but they did play it at least once a week for the longest time. Sure. Right? And they might be giants, if I remember correctly. Um, like it would always be on toward the end. I mean, I think at some point they did a guest spot, if I remember correctly. They did, but uh, but I think because they'll need a crane was so short, right? I think they would they would uh, they would just sort of tuck it in to some extra space they had. It's such a short song that you don't have time to really get your bearings. You know, you notice there's something going on. It's pretty frantic. You know, it's a sort of frenetic. It's, it's like there's, there's a lot going on in a short space i was interested by that so i bought the 12 ish. i'm trying to remember what were the other two songs on it um
0: i'll take a look
2: uh yeah what were the other songs that they really and they were both also interesting in the way that like they didn't you know it had that quality of records you, of records that, that, that leave a uh, uh that sort of leave a mark not a mark in a scarring sense but records that stick with you that you go oh this record is trying to do something different for me as a listener than most records are trying to do which is wow you right, right. I mean, most records especially back then were trying to grab you you know and uh, and this is a little different
0: so I found the uh, so the They'll Need a Crane EP They'll Need a Crane yeah. It's it's Not My Birthday I'll Sink Manhattan and Nightgown of the Sullen Moon
2: oh man that last one was really good uh, that last one was, it was a very modest song again it was like they weren't really um, they weren't insisting on sort of uh 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 being beholden to the traditions of of rock instrumentation, not in any super aggressive way. Like you got a band like Cheer Accident, who really says, "Well, look, we want uh, you know these woodwinds in the picture. That's what we want." You know, it wasn't like that, but sort of from song to song, you got the sense that that the songs it was sort of like like a short story collection where each story was sort of allowed to to have its own space where it wasn't, you know, it was sort of, it was interesting. It seemed like a different way of thinking about the EP, which also at that time, uh, and I think people think of EPs now as just like a collection of songs, but the EP as a form was kind of radical in the '80s, and there were some bands like the Sisters of Mercy, who they only made EPs for what seemed like the longest time. Mm-hmm. And people like me would sit and scratch on our chins, going like, "What does it mean to not make an album? You know, <laughs> what does it mean to just make these these singles that are that are bigger than seven inches? You know, it's a different format. Yeah, you know, it's it, it sort of." You know, it's a different way of thinking. It forces you to give a little more weight to every song because you're not sitting down and playing a full side through and then flipping it. And these were big questions because coming out of the 70s, the arturist idea of music, I knew a lot of people who'd be like, well, you haven't really sat with the record until you listen to it through in one through sitting. After the CD era, records get so long that fewer people do that. And to deb- demand that somebody sit there for 74 minutes, it's a little ripe if you're not writing. they opera. can operate, <laughs> so, but but uh, but back then the EP was sort of a, to me a radical gesture. I thought about it a lot, and then I went. Through, I'd go through phases where I'd be like, oh, I'm buying EPs, seeing what these bands who are who are not always beholden to the album structure are thinking about."
0: Right. Yeah, and you, and you yourself still put out EPs now and then. You put out a, a three song.
2: Big believer in the EP. I put out so many of them in the early years of the Non-Goats. Because I I do think it's like an album sort of necessarily feels like a statement in some way. It is the big bunch of songs you've got right now. An EP feels slighter but also heavier because you can concentrate it. You can really go, okay, here's, you know, if you want to go all minor key and you want to go really dour, right, for four songs... People give you that. You know, people will say, Okay, I'm willing to suffer with you for four songs. You do that for a full album, you really have to invest a lot into variation and figuring out how to make that interesting over the course of forty five or sixty minutes, you know, All or right. seventy, four minutes. But with an EP you can really pick a zone and go into it, but you can also treat it like a trifling thing. You can also say, Look, it's just an EP. I'm not asking you for that much money for it, you know, I'm asking you for five bucks to see what I've got in my mind right now like which was the feeling i got from the only Ukraine? crane it was like buy a record see some of our ideas that we have in play the, the songs didn't feel like big commitments you know they sort of felt like right like interesting gadgets you know and that's and, and that to me is what's interesting about the band is like that that they from song to song to song year after year after year say hey I found a a way a song can function here and it references other songs that you'll recognize other styles you'll recognize, you know, but it's got its own thing. Check this one out. And it's almost like the woodworkers or something, you know, sanding a little something down and saying, Hey, what's this look like to you? You know, it's kind
0: of fun. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So did you keep up with the band all through the nineties and like into the full band era? Did, did you keep up with them? I mean, obviously you picked a song from, uh, 2000 and, uh, this, uh here come the one, two, three is 2008. Uh, so were you keeping up with all of their stuff?
2: No, no, not at all. I, uh, I got into, um, I mean, I sort of was a, a genre tourist for the longest time, but I would also, like, I would get super into something and stop following whatever I had been following previously. Sure. And by the, let's see, I mean, I would say within a couple of years after the early Ukraine, I was starting to explore metal. You know, there was the, the thrash metal explosion took place, and there was the other stuff that was going on with the, you know, uh, with Celtic Frost and... uh weird stuff going on in Scandinavia, pre-black metal stuff that people like, you know, the first Bathory album dates back a long ways, kind of that, but also rap was new. And I lived in Southern California, so I could hear KDAY, which was this amazing, and I think still is, this amazing rap radio station. And that was the future. I mean, you could hear, it was like this music that was completely re- re-imagining what the possibilities for music were. Right. And it was like, I mean, people who lived in Southern California, I suspect, many of them have a memory like I do of like driving around with a KDAY, which is an AM radio station, right? And hearing it takes two by Rob Bass and DJ easy rock and going, Oh my God. <laughs> you know, this is like totally, this is music from 10 years from now. Yeah. It was like the wildest thing to hear. And so with NWA, the use of sampling on the gangsta gangsta 12 inch was like, you know, you'd have these moments where you go, I have to be following this this is where the people are thinking three steps ahead right now which had been also the feeling of thrash metal a couple of years before it was like you know thrash metal was totally like we're gonna do it faster we're gonna be doing more at once we're gonna get our job done quicker we're gonna make hell weights. by slayer right it barely takes any time and nobody's ever done anything like it you know so i did i went through that phase and um you know and uh and then then i was kind of loose for a while i went. I went hither and yon. And I didn't really think a whole lot about them. And Anna N came out. That was pretty unavoidable on radio. I forget when that was, but but that was a completely unavoidable song in Southern California. Um, but I wasn't paying super close attention until I had a child <laughs> and I bought the Here Come the 1, 2, 3s uh, CD. I thought, oh, there's They Might Be Giants. The one that I do remember that landed on me when it got an NPR moment circa 2001 or 2, I want to say, is the one about... Um, being in a club and it being too loud you know what i'm talking about
0: yeah off mink car it's called man it's so loud in here
2: yeah I, that one made me laugh very hard because I, yeah. was like,
0: I had just turned like
2: 31 or 32 and i was like yeah no, i feel you the clubs are too loud right now
0: yeah that's a great song so the year after mink car came out mink car came out actually on 9-11 and then the year after that 2002 they put you know, out
2: their So did slayers for a weird synchronicity. these so yeah. Slayer's God Hates Us All.
0: Uh, uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So in 2002, yeah. they put out their first kid's album uh, called No. So you you didn't get that one. No, and I
2: don't think I will because kids really are into No, and so I don't really need any extra No energy in the house at this yeah. moment. But at the same time, I'm lying because they, my kids, you can't even imagine how much they love They Might Be Giants, those two. Oh. And they're interested in the other stuff, like my my older son will get on Spotify and then it will just kick him down to the next one. And he knows a bunch of the catalog at this point. Um, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll, he's probably heard much of no, actually. And I don't even know it.
0: How old, how old are they? I seven and four. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm actually doing a They Might Be Giants unit with first graders right now. We're uh off this one we're doing Triops has three eyes and we're gonna take a little sticky googly eye for the program and stick it on our forehead so we can all be at Triops. It's gonna be adorable. Man, I am into it but at the same time, like do you have children? Uh yeah, I have a, a seven month old. So oh a seven month old. So
2: this will be down the line for you. Yes. But uh but like Triops has three eyes? I hear it in my sleep. <laughs> I'll hear it when I'm dead, right? It's like cuz I mean what they do, you know, they're like they're sort of like Andrew Partridge, they they're or Todd Rundgren. They write hooks that stick in your brain, right? It's one of the things they do. Yeah. Right? Not every artist has is really that hook-based, but TMBG has always been like one of those bands who like if you give the the record some time, 10 years from now you can still go a Crane, another Crane," right? And so and Triops has three eyes. I will hear it in my grave. It will <laughs> never go away. <laughs> it's absolutely. I mean, some of that is down to the fact that I have heard it forty-five to seventy-five times, yeah. uh, if not more. But beyond that, it's like it's intentionally. It's 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 a corkscrew. <laughs> it's like yeah. It just goes right into your brain. So uh, so does one. Everything. What we're supposed to be talking about. But I find that one really there is a melancholy to. Oh, wait, we were talking about. Oh, four.
0: Apartment Four. Yeah. One.
2: Everything. Which we. Should, we were also going to talk about when everything, which which has a similar, uh, there's a little bit of a melancholy bit uh, in the in the walk down at the end, which is a similar walk. Not one, not three,
0: not twelve, right? And uh... now Danny Wankoff, the bass player of They Might Be Giants, he has said uh, to me that that is one of his favorite bass lines. He's like, I don't care if it's from a kid's album, that is one of my favorite bass lines. And you were just talking well, about
2: great, that. The thing is, that's one of the great things about that record. Is like those are just great, you know. It's it it, it does make you question. It's like why do I insist that like that there be some line between children's music and grown up music? Kids love it and it's great music. It's just fine, you know. It's like all kids recognize the Beatles write good songs, right? Like if you play the Beatles for kids, they like it, right? Sure. And uh, and that's a very Beatlesy sort of baseline, right? It's not. I, I mean, I don't know if I know enough about the bass to to say that, but <laughs> but but it feels like it. It's got that sort of very elegant, you know, constructed pop uh, feel, right?
0: Right. For sure so uh you're talking about how the well we were talking about how the melancholy comes from more the the core progression and that line on apartment four but as uh as far as the lyrics go is there anything else you want to say about the lyrics you talked about how um it's like a modern well well yeah what what do you think about the the lyrics for it as far as uh how, why you like it
2: i mean i think it's good i mean i love that there's a drum in there uh i'm in a place in my life at the moment where and this is funny because i'm a lyrics guy right but uh But I'm always trying to steer the conversation Toward the other stuff these days Um, In part because I don't know what there is to say About lyrics Even when they're clever and good
0: Right And so here I am Eight months later Recording an outro for an episode That ended uh, Abruptly to say the least And uh, disappointingly uh, To tell you the truth So I guess I'll give you some backstory to this. I've given John and his manager plenty of time to finish this episode. It's the first time I ever had to go through a manager to get a guest on. I initially contacted him through Twitter, just tweeting about they might be giants and tagged him in one, found out that he was a fan back since uh, they'll need a crane EP. And so I tweeted at him to send me a message If he was interested in being on the podcast His DMs were closed So he went ahead and DM'd me So hey, I knew he was interested Uh, We talked a little bit And I was so happy because he is I mean, Mountain Goats are my second favorite band And he just told me he needed to go That we needed to do it through his manager So I contacted his manager And she took probably two months to get a recording set up. And then we, when we did do it, um, I was not allowed to do it the way that I prefer, which is over a Facebook call, a Google Hangouts call, Skype, FaceTime, any of that. Um, video call is what I prefer, and something that goes through, uh, that goes online, so that I can use my Capture uh, software to grab the audio from my guest's side. That's how I do it. Um, I've had 70 plus guests So a lot of you know that already uh, but, but she insisted that it be an actual phone call And I found this out about Two hours ahead of time And I was looking to try to find an app To use that instead I couldn't really get it figured out I was trying to convince her to do Skype um, But no she wanted to do a phone call And it's a phone call Like a, basically a three way call Well she would call me I'd pick up She'd say hold on a minute I'll get John Put John on And then we'd all three be there, talk, and she'd say, okay, I'm going to step off the line now, and you two and and talk, maybe I'll I'll pop back in later. So I'm like, okay, let's do it, fine. You know, this dude is one of my favorite songwriters. So, um, yeah, it's weird saying this, because this was something I was so excited to do. But we go ahead and we get about five minutes in, well, actually, probably less than that, Natalie jumps off the call, and we lose the call almost immediately. John and I talk for about a minute, and then the call drops, okay? And I'm trying to do the call through my computer because my iPhone goes through my Mac, and so I'm recording it that way, trying to still do it the way I prefer going through the computer. I don't know if it's that or if it's her connection or the way she's doing the party line call, whatever, and so, okay, it drops. I send her text. I say, you know, call dropped. Can you call me back? She calls me back. Hold on, let me get John. John comes back on. We talk for maybe 10 minutes. It drops again. Text her again. She calls me. She puts on John. We talk for another 10, 15 minutes. Uh, me apologizing for something that I don't think was my fault. And so um, after the third dropped call, we've gotten, well, as, as you could see, about 20 minutes of audio. Not even close to finishing the conversation, let alone doing covers or scoring the song. Uh... I knew he was limited in time I knew he had about 45 minutes But with all the drop calls 45 minutes uh, ended up being only 20 minutes of audio So this this is me sweating in my studio Like oh my god this guy who's an idol of mine I can't seem to I can't you know I'm having all these technical difficulties This is the worst possible guest to have this happen with Because he's he's well known enough that i'm going through a manager and now i look bad to the manager i look bad to him even though like i said i don't think any of it was on me of some sort of weird connection issue or phone call connection or the whatever she was using to make that group call so i knew he had a limited time we ran out of time he said i need to put my kids to bed let's finish it up later so she sends a group text to both of us sorry for all the complications we'll figure out something else down the line i'm like okay that's fine I texted the group text once, you know, uh, like a month after trying to see when we would schedule it. So since then, this was last spring, and since then, I've sent an email every... Well, I've sent an email about every month at first. I didn't get any replies. Then I got kind of, you know, disappointed about the whole thing. Sent another email in maybe October sent another email in December, mid-December, I said, hey, if we can't at least schedule this in the next month or record it, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and post what I have, which is an incomplete episode, Uh, my fans aren't going to be crazy about it, but most of all, it's it's disappointing to me, and it's just really bizarre, she never returned my calls, so this is, you know, that would have been nice to finish that conversation, this is like a dream guest of mine, just talking to him in general let alone being on the podcast you know uh i've seen him as many times as i've seen them at be giants i've every one of his records i've reviewed a lot of them for punk news um I've learned a ton of his songs. I've probably learned to cover almost as many Mountain Goat songs as They Might Be Giant songs. But uh, to end this rant, it was just very disappointing. and didn't seem to put me back in contact with him. So I tried DMing John again directly as well because our DMs were now open after talking. He didn't reply to me either. So I don't know. Was it really that bad of an experience that a phone call dropped three times? I mean, it was a pain in the butt. It was frustrating. He is one of my favorite songwriters. Such touching emotional, powerful music, catchy music. And I'm going to play a song off his most recent album to end this. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and score Apartment 4. I love Apartment 4. And like we talked about forever ago, I like how it's a kid song that has kind of a melancholy feel due to that chord progression. And as John said, kind of that little bit of Perhaps loneliness, despite living with these people all around, all around you. You're like, hey, come up and visit me. Uh, just follow the sound of the drums. It's just a very interesting kid song and it's catchy as hell. Um, while well, not being like poppy necessarily, it's just very melodic and it's a good earworm kind of mid tempo piano song. And, uh, it's amazing. So for kids songs, let's see, the ones I've ranked so far, I did, um, Meet the Elements, I gave it 8. That one is awesome as well. I think I'm going to go 7.9, then right below that for Apartment 4. Yeah. Oh, that's the same score I gave all-time what? Well, what do you know? I'm just feeling the 7.9s. Holy cow. As I was bouncing this episode down... John Darneal messaged me back on Twitter. I asked him once more, I said, hey, if we can't at least get on the phone, could you at least give me your score of Apartment 4 and why you gave it that score? And here we go. At 9.42 a.m. on Thursday, and this is posting on Friday, he's, I said, sorry the episode turned out weird. He said, sorry it turned out weird too. I enjoyed our conversation. For me, Apartment 4 honestly merits a 9 with the caveat I'd made previously that I'm not conversant with their entire catalog. My ranking is going to skew owing to the song's special status as not just a good song, but beloved by children. Have a great one. Thanks so much, John. That makes me feel a lot better about this whole uh, lengthy debacle. (laughs) And uh, you're welcome to come on again to talk about uh, One Everything or any other song, classic song, whatever. Uh, and hopefully it'll go smoother the next time. So I feel a lot better about that. And uh, cool. Thanks for listening. Find me on Twitter at this might be a pod, Gmail, this might be a pod at gmail.com. Facebook.com slash this might be a podcast. We now have an Instagram. It's this might be a podcast with underscores under all of the stuff. This underscore my, underscore B underscore A underscore podcast. You'll find it, I think. And um, this might be a podcast.com. And we're making t-shirts for the Patreon. They're getting printed up very soon. Abby has pretty much finished the artwork as I'm recording this. And I'm talking to my printer, picking out t-shirt colors. If you are a Patreon subscriber, please get at me uh, through the Patreon uh, message system thingy. And get me your t-shirt size, please. All of you, no matter what tier you're at. Uh, patreon.com slash this might be a podcast I'll be selling them at the live show February 28th in Bloomington, Indiana at the Bishop we'll be talking about they'll need a crane which uh, we heard John sing earlier in the episode I realized so yeah uh, come to the live show I'll be selling the shirts there and on Patreon I may sell them outright on the Bandcamp. camp this might be a podcast.bandcamp.com Oh, I'm all over the webs with this thing. I'm spending too much time on this and too much time talking. I'm just trying to get this over a half hour for you, because come on, what kind of episode is this? Decided that the uh, best way to fill out this episode is to show you how great the Mountain Goats are if you aren't already familiar. So I'm going to play a little medley here and then finish it out with a full track from In League With Dragons, his most recent. So let's go way back. To the first EP, 1995's Nine Black Poppies. I'm going to play you a part of the song uh, the song Cubs in Five, which is about things that will never happen, uh, though they did eventually win the World Series. I always took uh, great, great love in this song, being a White Sox fan. Then let's jump ahead to my favorite album of his 2002's All Hail West Texas, The Last of the Boombox Records. And I think we're going to play Fall of the Star High School, Running Back. Then let's jump to probably the record that really blew him up, which was The Sunset Tree in 2005. Let's play the song that my band Outdoor Valor covered. Let's play dance music. You can find our cover on outdoorvalor.bandcamp.com. And then let's jump. Yeah, and then let's go to In League with Dragons. And I'm going to play the full song Younger to finish out this episode. Hope you like them all. Check out the rest of his catalog. And yeah, John, let's do one everything. I love you. Enjoy.
1: more a year, you rushed for an average of eight and a third yards per carry, all eyes were on you junior year, blew your knee out at an out of town game, nowhere to go but down, 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 nothing but the ground left for you to fall to. Line. It made a whole bunch of brand new friends, people you used to look down on, and you'd figured out a way to make real money, giving ends to your friends, and it felt stupendous. Chrome spokes on your Japanese bike, but selling acid was a bad idea, and selling it to a cop was a worse one. The new law said that 17-year-olds could do federal time. You were the first one, so I sing this song for you. William Stanaforth, Donahue. Your grandfather rode the boat over from Ireland, but you made a bad decision or two. yeah. Johnson Avenue in San Luis Obispo I'm five years old or six maybe And indications that there's something wrong with our new house Trip down the wire twice daily I'm in the living room watching the Watergate hearings While my stepfather yells at my mother Launches a glass across the room Straight at her head and I dash upstairs to take cover Lean in close to my little record player on the floor So this is what the volume knobs for I listen to dance music dance music okay so look I'm seventeen years old and you're the last best thing I got going but then the special secret sickness starts to eat through you what am I supposed to do no way of knowing so I'm Follow you down your twisting alleyways Find a few cul-de-sacs of my own There's only one place this road ever ends up And I don't wanna die alone Let me down, let me down, let me down gently When the police come to get me I'm listening to dance, music Dance, music Young subordinates. It never hurts to give thanks to the local gods. You never know who might be hungry. It never hurts to scan the windows on the upper floor. I saw things there once before when I You had to use to build your ladder Moment close at hand Half of you will never understand And it doesn't really matter in case, underneath my tongue To give thanks to the navigator Even when he's spinning out random numbers I knew what those figures meant And what they hoped to represent When I was younger